don't know about you guys, I'm ready to get back to doing services with more songs. I, I love singing together in church, and I, I miss doing, doing more. Um, well, good morning. He's risen. It is still the season of Easter. Technically, it's the season of Easter until Pentecost. So you have like three or four more weeks of me saying that at you if you want. But, uh, you know, it's good to remember what's going on. Good morning, and good morning to those of you who are joining us online. It's so great to have you with us. You know, it's, it's hard when we can't all come in and be here together. It's great those of us who are here, but it's also great those of us who are able to join from online. And uh, my own family is joining us online this morning. Hi, Mom. Hi, Dad. Hi, kids. We're in a series this week called uh, Wherever You Go. This is a new series that we started last week. Wendy Botkin started us off. She did a great job. I was so glad to have her share. We're going through a bunch of the stories of the Old Testament, specifically in uh, what's called the Pentateuch, which is the the five books of Moses. Uh, It's the first five books of the Bible. Who knows them? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, you, you all pass. A plus. Way to go. So these stories are so important because they are, they are foundational stories to what happens all throughout the Bible. These characters come up again and again, and these themes come up again and again. And even within these stories that we're going to be talking about in this series, just within these five books of the Bible, we're going to see these same themes coming up over and over. And they're, they're so important to understanding the culture and, and the, the context of what we read in the Bible that we wanted to take some time and focus in on those. So last week we talked about Adam and Eve and, and the importance of that story and where, where it fits into our understanding. And today we're going to be talking about another important character in biblical history. And this man's name is Abraham. Now before we get into that, let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for today. Thank you for the snow outside, even though we struggle to thank you for that sometimes. Thank you for the moisture for our fields. We pray, Lord, that this would be a good time together, that like the the ground outside, that our hearts would be watered by the worship of your name and by the preaching of your word, Lord, that we would grow fruit that is pleasing to you. In your name, amen. Abraham. Abraham is a character that looms large, over the story of the Bible. Like, like he's huge. He's one of these big names. And in, in fact, our faith sort of bears his name, right? Like we're, we're Christianity, right? We're the, the followers of Christ, but we are one of the three Abrahamic religions. They're, these are the three great religions of the world. They're Christianity, Judaism, and Islam, in case you've never heard this term before. And they're, they're called Abrahamic religions because they all trace their roots back to this one man, Abraham. Abraham is so important that Matthew's gospel traces Jesus' genealogy back to Abraham and stops. Matthew says, that's good enough. We got to Abraham, we're good. That's all I need to say. Abraham is referred to throughout the scriptures as the father of faith. In fact, there's this one particular phrase from Genesis chapter 15 verse 4, where it says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And this phrase continues to come up all throughout the New Testament. Not just the idea that belief is credited as righteousness, but that Abraham did it. That Abraham is consistently used throughout the New Testament 
as the illustration of this. Abraham comes up just in a few examples. He comes up in Romans 4, in Galatians 3, in Hebrews 11, all as examples of Abraham as the father of our faith. He is also the father of Israel, of the nation of Israel to the Jewish people. And there are many references in the Gospels to people as the children of Abraham. For example, in Luke 13, 16, and Luke 19, 19, Jesus refers to certain people, and he says, are these folks not children of Abraham also? This is just a consistent thing. In fact, he has a, a debate with the religious leaders about who their father is in John chapter 8, and Jesus drops this killer line. He, he, they say, we have Abraham for a father, and he says, you don't know who your father is. You are children of your father, the devil. This <laughs> is like... Whoa! Those are fighting words, and and it's this great exchange. Romans chapter 11 speaks of believers, Christians, as being grafted into the tree of Israel. And there's a whole imagery there that I'd love to dive into, but we just don't have time today, so maybe maybe next week or maybe in another preaching plan. But that, that we as Christians are grafted into this same faith of Abraham, that we're grafted into the tree of Israel as part of God's promise. In fact, it reminds me of a song. I wonder if you know it. Father Abraham had many sons. Many had Father Abraham. And one of them, and so were you. (laughs) Right arm, Father Abraham had many sons. No, I'm kidding, we're not going to do that. So just, just briefly, the, the, the story of Abraham is so important. And, and just in brief terms, Abraham enters the story of the Bible. He's first mentioned in Genesis chapter 11, right at the end. In fact, it's so brief that usually we talk about Abraham starting in chapter 12. Because that's where his story really begins. But he is mentioned in chapter 11. And he dies in Genesis chapter 25. So he's got like 15 chapters of his story. It's a not insignificant portion of the Bible, right? Like that's, if we assume that chapters are are equivalent length, that's how long the Gospel of Mark is. Mark is only 16 chapters long. So it's a a significant part of, of the Bible and an important character. There's some important people to know in this story. There's Abraham, who at the beginning of the story is known as Abram. There's his wife, Sarah, who at the beginning of the story is known as Sarai. They both have their names changed by God. Their son, Isaac, the second wife, servant, Hagar, her son, Ishmael, and Abraham's brother, not brother, sorry, nephew, Lot, who is, well, he's a bit of a Lot as a character. Abraham has all sorts of adventures. He's a, he's a fascinating character, and I, I had so much fun just reading this part of the Bible. It's a... Uh, it's kind of like reading bad fantasy because of some of the names involved. Like there's this, there's this king named Shemember or Shem, Shember of Zeboyim, king of Zeboyim. And like I'm just reading this, I'm going like, what, what are these names? And it, but it's so fun and there's these battles that Abraham takes part in and Abraham is out doing international travel and Abraham is out negotiating with God for the lives of cities. And he has all sorts of amazing things that happen with him. It's just a really fun portion of scripture and I really encourage you to read it. And of course, the, there are parts of Abraham's story that he's, 
especially well known for. Of course, Abraham makes a covenant with God, or, or rather, God makes a covenant with Abraham. That's how we should really phrase it. And possibly the most well-known story is the testing of Abraham when, uh, when God asks him to sacrifice his son Isaac. Fun fact, based particularly on Genesis chapter 22, verse 6, most scholars and theologians think that Isaac was either a late teenager or a young man. So like between 16 and 25. I don't know about you, but that really changes the framing of that story for me. Because I often feel like it, that story sounds like Isaac's about nine, right? And, and there's a big difference between saying 100-year-old Abraham took nine-year-old Isaac to sacrifice him versus 100-year-old Abraham took 20-year-old Isaac, right? It, it suggests something really different about that story. Anyway, that's not where we're going today. That was just a, just a fun fact for you. We are going to focus, though, today on Abraham's biggest contribution to the big picture, the big story. Our focus for today is God's promise to Abraham. So I'm going to start reading in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, just to give us the context here. The Lord had said to Abram, remember Abram was Abraham's name before God changed it. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham goes, and he has all these adventures. He, he gets into a battle. He plunders a camp after winning the battle. He, he grows his flocks. He has these adventures, and Abram has, becomes quite wealthy, becomes quite rich, and he is inhabiting the land that he once did not know, but has now come to in faith. It's a good story. And later in Genesis 15, God comes again to Abraham. And he says to Abraham, he says this wonderful line. He says, do not be afraid. I am your shield, your very great reward. I don't know about you, but that's a line that I'd like to put up on my wall. I am your shield, your very great reward. Abraham, on the other hand, gets snarky. And he says to God, what can you do for me? Right? God has said, I am your reward. And Abraham basically says, so what? Which is not, not the reaction that I am expecting. I don't know about you. But Abraham's response is basically, so what? I have no children. I have no legacy. His line is that there is a servant or a slave in his house who stands to inherit everything that he has because he doesn't have any children of his own. So this, this employee, for lack of a better word, is going to inherit everything that he has. Abraham has no legacy. He has no children. What's it all for? We've been through all of this. We've had all these adventures. Why? You've promised me these things, God, and none of it's happened. I've done all that you asked, and it seemed like it was for nothing. Can you relate? I wonder if you can relate to that feeling. It's certainly something that happens. You raised your kids, did the best that you could, and they're wandering. They're, they're off doing their own thing. Maybe, maybe you worked really hard, maybe you were really diligent and faithful, and you were following God, and you lost it all. 
it all, it all came to nothing. Maybe there was a friend who you witnessed to and loved and did everything that you could to share the love of Christ with them, and they still won't become Christians. They won't follow Jesus. They don't particularly want to join you in eternity. I honored my marriage vows. I went through those battles, but maybe the spouse didn't. How, God? What, what's it all for? You know, I did, I did all these things. What's it for? God answers Abraham, because God is good, and God is good all the time. In Genesis 15, verses four to six, then the word of the Lord came to him, Abraham. This man, the servant, will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. A wonderful story that we often associate with Abraham. And here's this verse, Abraham believed the Lord and God credited it to him as righteousness. It can be tempting when we know or, or think we know, right? Sometimes we're not sure what's supposed to happen to just make it happen in our own power, right? Abraham had been told by God, I'm going to make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. Right? He, he said that. We just read it. Abraham knows that. And Abraham is no fool. He knows where babies come from. Kids' church is on. If your kids aren't are in here, that's your problem, not mine. But Abraham knows where babies come from. And so Abraham says, I know how to make this happen. And isn't it funny how when we decide to do things in our own power, it seems to always involve doing something that we know we shouldn't. As if suddenly we think that the ends do justify the means. So that's what Abraham did. In Genesis chapter 16, verses 1 and 2, we read that Sarai, Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go, sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. And Abram agreed to what Sarai said. Sarah suggested that he have a son through her servant Hagar. And poor Abraham, he just, he got caught up. You know, he just, he said, oh, okay, honey, if you say so. Yeah, right. So Abraham suggested this in four, chapter four, or, uh, verse 4. rather. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarai said to Abram, You are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my slave in your arms, and now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Your slave is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think best. And Sarai mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. I'm going to skip the rest of this Real Housewives of the Ancient Near East episode because, you know, like we, could, we could read the whole thing. It's fun. But it's pretty crazy. And, you know, you've got enough of a window, right? You, you sort of understand what's going on. Abraham, he sinned pretty deeply here. I don't know about you, but I, 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 I would call this sin. Not, not only because, I mean, it's debatable whether he cheated on his wife, right? We, we could actually debate that. But certainly, he took advantage of a woman 
who was not in a position to say no. And then he didn't defend her when she got into trouble for it. Right? Like, like Abraham did not, he did not acquit himself manfully, we might say. This whole situation is just all kinds of messed up. But we know how this story turns out. We know, we've already read the passages, we've looked at them at least, that Abraham is the father of our faith. We know that he is the father of Israel. We know that his faith is the tree into which all who trust in the Lord are grafted. Maybe, maybe we need to reframe how we see Abraham. Abraham was a deeply flawed man. He sinned. He took advantage of the vulnerable. He wasn't a very good parent. He was deceptive and cunning. And I could expand this list, but I don't want to have to tell the backstory in order to justify it. I think you've got the picture. Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. If we are sons and daughters of Abraham, and Abraham was a bad dude, what does that say about us? Shouldn't come as a surprise. You're well aware of the evil in your own life. No preacher has ever surprised a person by telling them that they were sinful. We all know this is true. The closest thing to a surprise that's happened is that they were outed. Right? But, but everybody knew that was going on in their own life. You don't need me to tell you that there are secret ways in which you're not a very good fill-in-the-blank. In fact, it seems like most of us seem to feel like we're getting away with something. But that's the thing, isn't it? Isn't that why we're here? Like, like here in this church, in sitting here, watching online, isn't that why we're here? Because Jesus found us in our lostness and he saved us anyway? Because Jesus is making us into better people, closer to God and more closely formed into the image of the perfect son? Abraham was a lost man saved only by the grace of God, a wandering soul found and guided and given a place only because of God's goodness. And perhaps when we say that we are sons and daughters of Abraham, we don't mean that we are righteous, good people blessed by God. Maybe what we mean is that we are wandering, lost souls, sinners who would do things our own way and who hope against hope that somehow God will, in his mercy, stretch out his hand and bless the mess that is our lives. Somehow, that's what God did. And pick up the story in Genesis 21. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant, and she bore a son to Abraham in his old age, at the very time that God had promised him, Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son that Sarah bore him. Isaac means laughter, because when Sarah was told that she would have a baby, she laughed. Isaac, his name is laughter. And when his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old 
when his son Isaac was born. And Sarah said, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. Never mind her old age. Sarah was like 90 when this happened. So, what has God turned around in your life? What graves has he turned into gardens, to reference a song we've sung the last few weeks? Where has he made a way when there was none? What are those things in your life that you can bring up? Because Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham, and I am one of them, and so are you. So let's all praise the Lord. Amen. Abraham's story ends in Scripture, in Genesis chapter 25, where we read, Abraham left everything he owned to Isaac. But while he was still living, he gave gifts to the sons of his concubines and sent them away from his son Isaac to the land of the east. Abraham lived 175 years. Then Abraham breathed his last and died at a good old age, a man, an old man and full of years. He was gathered to his people. His sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of I'm not even going to try. In the field of Ephron, son of Zoar the Hittite, the field Abraham had bought from the Hittites. There Abraham was buried with his wife Sarah. After Abraham's death, God blessed his son Isaac, who then lived near Beer Lahairoi. That's the end of Abraham's story. But it's not the end of God's story. Next week, we're going to pick up the story where Precious will be sharing with us about the story of Isaac. But in the meantime, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the character of Abraham. Thank you that Abraham is a deeply flawed person in whom we see ourselves, in whom we see the ways in which we fall short, and even in our desire to follow you, God, we still make mistakes. We think that the ends justify means, Lord. We try to do things our own way. Thank you for Abraham as a person that you used anyway, God. Thank you that even though Abraham had his own ideas, you still had a plan. And even though we have our own ideas, you still have a plan. Thank you, God, that you are at work in our lives, that you haven't left us, you haven't abandoned us, you haven't given up on us. Thank you for this story. We pray that we would be illuminated through it, Lord, that we would draw closer to you. In your name we pray. Amen.